Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Adam Curran. Adam is a CFP and the founder of Curran Financial Partners. He runs a weekly radio broadcast, Retire Y'all Radio. He's published two books, Retire Y'all and The Power of a Plan. He's also the host of the Retire Y'all podcast. I'm sensing a theme here throughout. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and it, it, you probably yourself and me, um, y'all doesn't quite roll off the tongue. I'm kind of a carpetbagging Yankee here in South Carolina, and, and it's, uh, it's part of the branding at this point. All right. Well, yes, I am also up in New York and a Yankee as well, but it certainly seems to be working for you on the marketing front. Let's go back in time a little bit because you have an interesting story and not a traditional one. How did you get started in financial services? Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut and uh, like most financial advisors, uh, had some financial strain in their life. I was in a middle-class family, but uh, my dad was a defense contractor, always worried about his job security. Uh, so to kind of help lighten the burden financially in my household, my mom uh, started her own business as a professional clown. So it was a very interesting way to grow up, but uh, I kind of learned some entrepreneurial skills uh, and answering my phone growing up, Sparkles the Clown, how could I help you? And I was always interested in money. I'm kind of um, a weirdo who always knew what he wanted to do. I went off to school in Philadelphia. I went to Drexel. I had an opportunity to work as a runner on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. Um, then I went on to work in the hedge fund industry where I was working with uh, kind of high net worth individuals, super high net worth individuals. And, and then finally, I, I felt the need to start my own firm and, and help folks like people like my mom and dad, people who didn't have a lot of money, but weren't getting the, uh, the tender love and care and the, and the level of financial sophistication that I thought that they deserved. Awesome. And then how did you end up in South Carolina? You know, I was actually uh, living in Philly. I had like a two week period where I had my car stolen and my car broken into and I walked into my house, there was kids with guns in it. And I said, to heck with this, I'm out of here. I, I went and moved to Park City, Utah. I was an accountant at a ski resort. And uh, there's nowhere to trade stock in, in Utah. <laughs> Hang out with Moose primarily. And uh, so I started doing kitchen table financial planning, retirement planning. And uh, I found some good mentors out that way. And then I kind of saw the light and I said, hey, I should start my own thing. And um, I wanted to be back on the East Coast. My mom had uh, stage three colon cancer and I, it pained me to be so far away from her, um, but I wasn't moving back up to the tri-state area. So uh, I looked at a map and I didn't want to be in Florida. It was North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Charleston just so happens to be right in the middle of there. So 
um, went on a family vacation and signed a lease and hung my shingle. Well, congratulations. Obviously, the longer version's in the books. Um, what inspired you uh, to write Retire Y'all and The Power of a Plan? Well, I'm a capitalist pig, uh, unapologetic. And uh, The Power of a Plan was kind of my first marketing endeavor. And we do a lot of long format talk radio. Uh, and I knew I needed some sort of deliverable to allow people to take one extra step and kind of kick our tires and sniff test us a little bit more. And um, it caused all of our radio marketing to shoot through the roof. People love getting a, a free deliverable. Uh, the second book that just came out, not but a couple months ago, I looked online. No one had written a book about retiring in the state of South Carolina. So I said, it might as well be me. We're helping more people here in Charleston than anyone I know. So we wrote this book um, all about retiring in South Carolina in particular, uh, and people seem to really like it. We got lots of transplants. Seth, when are you going to be moving down to South Carolina? Uh, well, both my parents and my wife's parents are, you know, here. So the odds of tearing our kids away from their grandparents, probably not going to happen. But, you know, I have often said she complains every winter and I say, yeah, we don't move, though. So how do you get to keep complaining every winter? So maybe we'll buy a second house in South Carolina and, and come hang out with you. What inspired you to I like the deliverable aspect. What inspired you to it sounds like the radio show came first. Why did you start a radio show? And then talk yeah. about the long form format and how that's different. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we're really good on the radio. When I was out in Utah, I had an opportunity um, to, to actually do a two-hour show. It was every day of the week, Monday through Friday from 9 to 11. Uh, so I got a lot of reps. I got a lot of experience. And um, when I came to South Carolina, it was, it was you know, a no-brainer that that was going to be my main marketing source. We also do workshops, internet marketing, all the other things. Uh, I, think, I think financial advisors and a lot of, um, you know, white-collar professionals they, they, they look at their business more from a lens of like, how many friends and family can I strum up in my circle of influence? And I've always looked at it very much more from, from a business standpoint. If you were to start a restaurant or if you were to start any sort of brick and mortar store, there's some level of buy-in uh, and you would track the living heck out of your metrics, how many dollars spent and what your ROI is. And radio just works for me. When I look at our avatar client, um, we are working with um, flag-waving, God-fearing, conservative Americans. And these people listen, listen to Rush Limbaugh and Dave Ramsey. Uh, and I want to be um, in the same real estate as them. And, and long format talk radio uh, checks all those boxes for us. Awesome. And I love that you're tracking and determining that. Let's talk about long format. What does that mean to you? And how do you fill the time? <laughs> Filling the time is easy, especially right about now, you know, um, there's, you know, lots of advisors who do long format. I, I can tell you what might make our format a little bit different. Um, I think probably three or four years ago, I probably had a, a long format show that was very similar to, to lots of other advisors where I'd get on there and I'd talk about the different types of annuities or the different types of uh, fee structures that you might find in a, in a mutual fund, whether it be an A share or a C share all this kind of boring financial drivel, um, which look, it works. Heck, if, if you don't have a big opinion on things, be my guest, long format radio still works depending on your market. Um, but the, the way our, our show is formatted now, um, I stand on my soapbox and I let people know that the American dream is alive and well. 
and we tell stories uh, about the, the, the success that we see day to day at our planning table and people, you know, born um, in, a, in a lower class or a middle class family and, and living a life of abundance and, and uh, accomplishing amazing things in our country. So uh, I share kind of an encouraging message. I, I yell about politics. I know 50% of the people watching this or listening to this might not like my message. I think socialism is dumb and I'm unapologetic about it. And, and truthfully, no matter what you believe, um, and you're going to do long format, even if you're a bleeding heart liberal, I would just advise you to, to be yourself, find your voice, say what you believe. And, and that's what we're doing. And, and people gravitate to the message. And if they don't gravitate to the message, they're going to turn me off. And that's fine, too. All right. Now, talk also, you've also turned the radio show into the podcast. Are you repurposing the entire radio show or is the podcast different? I got to learn something from you, I think, Seth, because the, the podcast right now is just a passion project. I'm just interviewing people that I genuinely find interesting. And um, I love the long format element of it where I could just carry on and, and say whatever the heck's on my mind uh, without being um, you know, subjected to show clocks. Um, but the, the goal is I told my marketing people, I don't even want to see how many listeners I have until we've done a hundred shows. What do you think about that? I would like your, uh, your, what's your goal with the podcast? So we have a different take on it. We're kind of contrarian in the podcasting space. I don't, I think the vanity metric of listeners and downloads that's for vanity. Bottom line is for sanity. So my real question is not do I have 10,000, 100,000, 200,000 downloads? Because that doesn't necessarily make me any money unless I'm selling ads on my show and I don't want a second job doing that. So my tracking mechanism is ROI, is, hey, wait a second. We have one client that their first episode had nine people who listened to it, but they generated $100,000 in revenue from that one episode. So that's what I care about. I care about, hey, do I have the right people listening? It could be 12. It could be 100. It doesn't have to be radio numbers. I just need the right, let's say, 1,000 people and enough of them to convert that it makes it absolutely a phenomenal return on investment. Makes sense. So instead of uh, just casting out, you know, you're trying to find a, a tribe of stark raving fans, right? Yes. Droves of people who aren't really inhaling the message. Got that it. is exactly true. I want the thousand true fans who are going to drink my Kool-Aid every single day. Since we started the marketing conversation, we talked about the radio show. We talked about the podcast. We talked about the books. I know you do online. I know you've done other things in the past. I know you've pivoted a little bit during COVID as we all have had to in some semblance. So talk a little bit about some of the other ways you drive folks in the door. I got walloped by COVID. I actually got the thing very early on. It knocked me on my butt for like months on end and um, I had like a midlife crisis out of the darn thing. It got me completely looking at the business under a different light. We've, um, you know, I'm no longer taking on new, uh, clients and no longer sitting, uh, new visits. So I'm becoming more of a rainmaker and I'm the guy with all the levers who discerns um, where the marketing dollars go and, uh, workshops always work. Obviously, uh, right now, I mean, to my understanding workshops and to all my advisor buddies are saying, they're getting smaller numbers, but they're getting more motivated individuals in the room and, and, and people who actually want to, um, you know, make changes in their financial life. Uh, I, I just don't want to be in that environment right now. I don't feel like going to a restaurant and putting on a mask while I do a seminar. Um, but it's, I can't help but think that that would be a good lever to turn right about now. Um, 
what, what else has been successful for us? Gosh, the, the radio, our numbers on the radio, I've heard from other advisors nationally that their numbers on the radio are actually down. Uh, ours have darn near quadrupled. Uh, and I think it's because of the, the election cycle and being a little bit more politically punchy, the new book, uh, that has filled our funnel. In fact, we've got you know too many people knocking on our door right now um, because of those endeavors. Periodically, we'll try something by way of digital, like Boeing's right here in my backyard. Uh, and when they announced a bunch of layoffs, we did some kind of pointed, hey, get your Boeing uh, you know, early retirement, retirement package. Honestly, we get a bunch of people to raise their hand, but we, we, very, we don't have a lot of success converting those individuals. Uh, and they're kind of more of a, um, I don't know, kind of a, a less motivated, less enthused um, prospect for us. I, I think the people coming in from the radio – uh, are, are singing from the same hymnal as me and they like what I have to say. And uh, those are the individuals who are really keeping us busy. And those are the people I want to fight for. And those are the people I, I, those are my people. Those are my people, the mass affluent millionaires next door. And we're finding them uh, doing that long format show. Awesome. So how many, if you don't mind sharing, how many households ballpark are you serving and what level of AUM does that translate into? Yeah, so, so we don't have an asset minimum. Um, we're not cocky. We serve the mass affluent. So uh, if you've, um, you need help and you, got, and you need a financial advisor, we're going to help you. We kind of take a page out of Rick Edelman's book there. Um, I think we're working, last I checked, with about 400 different families. Um, between our fixed business and our, and our AUM, we, we manage about $180 million dollars. And um, we're in growth mode. Um, we're probably going to gather about $70 million this year. And, and the goal is 30% growth for the foreseeable future. Okay. So when you say we're gathering assets, we're bringing on more clients, you mean you personally are not taking on more new clients, but the other folks on your team are? Yeah, our advisors on our firm. And, and Got it. Firm, exactly. Okay. And your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do? Man, like I said, um, I, I want to fight for millionaires next door. I know sometimes there's a lot of people running around looking at you through their nostrils. Uh, and there's a lot of people who have high incomes, but they, they have high overhead as well. Uh, I like helping people like my mom and dad. You know, dad, self-made mechanical engineer, never made more than $60,000 in a year. Mom was a professional clown. They got a million bucks. You know, and if I'm able to generate an extra two, three thousand dollars a month, two, three thousand dollars a month, a lot of individuals would scoff at. But this is enabling them to to take their family on a cruise. This is enabling them to. Uh, Dad bought a Cadillac when he retired. Man, when I see a family like that get a little extra income and feel a little bit more confident about spending it, like that's it doesn't get any better that for for me. I'm I'm not I'm not looking to work with. Um, uh, the esoteric, financially sophisticated types. I want to help people uh, who've been grinding it out, pedaling uphill, and busting their knuckles. And, and, and that's what keeps me going. That is beautifully said. So you're going to cross probably 200 million relatively soon. With that level of success, what's your biggest challenge now? Running the organization. It, it used to be easy. Um, it, it, and it's, it's, it's a far bigger challenge than I thought it was going to be. I always thought once I got to that hundred million mark, it was all like, you know, the sky was going to part and my life was going to get easier. But now it's, it's constantly demanding people to, to show up and, and, and not behave mediocrely. That's a word. 
It, uh, it, it is now. <laughs> demand excellence out of every single person. And uh, the bar has been set a couple rungs below mediocre out there. And I'm just not going to tolerate it with my people. We're, we're going we're to lift each other up and, and, and perform at a level that's excellent. And we're going to do it every single day. We're not going to tolerate mistakes. We're not going to tolerate mediocrity. And, and sometimes that gets a little bit, you know, as our team gets bigger, you're constantly just demanding that out of every single person. And it can be a little bit exhausting, I'm sure, as you know. Um, so so that's, that's the biggest challenge for me right now, just making sure that we keep the promises that we made to the clients who entrusted us when we didn't have a big organization. And the new people who come on board, they get that same level of care, that same level of excellence that those early people got when it was me and a three-in-one printer. And, and, and I was saying, look, I might not have a big organization, but I will go to bat for you every step of the way. Awesome. So talk a little bit about the structure of the team. How many people are on it now and what type, what, what are the different roles? Well, we just brought two new people on this week. So I'm excited. Congratulations. About See if they last for uh, 90 days, we, we, we hope we keep that 90 day window um, for both them and us, right? We um, want to make sure they're going to be a good fit. We also want to make sure that we're the type of organization they're going to want to be with. We demand a lot out of folks. Um, we recently broke um, into silos. It used to be more of like a pooled effort where all the advisors would kind of um, do the onboarding and then they would hand the applications and, and uh, do a mobile assistant to talk about the dictate what they wanted them to do. And then those applications would fall into a, a new business and, and servicing pool. And then um, once the business was transferred and everything and, and the, the plan was fully designed, uh, it would go to like a customer service area and and now what we're going to do instead is just kind of break people into advisory teams. So each advisor has their own new business processing individual and financial planning person and, and, and customer service. So that's a relatively new experiment. It's given me kind of a, I've seen the light and it seems to make sense. And I know there's guys who've written books on that. Um, got a few of them. So I, I'll, be, I'll be curious to see how it works out. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Now we're recording this during the height of the COVID pandemic. We don't want you giving any investment advice on this show. However, being on the radio and getting those call-ins along with clients, what are you talking about now? How are you discussing it with your clients? We've got an election coming up in a month. What are you discussing and what are you hearing on the other side? Well, here again, I hate to be, keep beating a dead horse, but we, we do talk radio, right? So uh, we've got a lot of People, um, many of which live in bunkers wearing tin hats, and a lot of them are worried sick about, um, you know, hey, what happens if we have a blue wave or if Joe Biden gets elected? Is it going to cause my portfolio to crash? And I'm just trying to speak to people logically. We work with retirees. We recognize that losses are going to hurt them a heck of a lot more than gains are going to help them. Uh, I think people put way too much salt into the, the presidential election. There's a difference between politics and policy. Uh, regardless of who gets elected, I think the market right now is pricing in um, gridlock, which is a good thing for Wall Street. A, a divided House and Senate uh, means that whoever gets elected president is going to be able to get much done. And our, our founding fathers uh, put together one heck of a document uh, when they designed this country. So um, we're just trying to speak to people in a very logical, commonsensical way. We've got a lot of mechanisms within our retirement plan design. Like we, we have this awesome new portfolio that we're, we've unveiled. It's called our SWAN model. SWAN being an acronym for sleep well at night. Um, we're using rules-based algorithmic moving average triggers that get us the heck out of harm's way should the market get ugly. So um, 
I would say if there's anything you can accuse us of being, it's conservative to a flaw. Most of our clients appreciate that. And regardless of what God or the economy or what the next presidential election throws at us, I don't think our clients are going to lose any sleep. Awesome. That's a great acronym. Love it. Hope you're using that in your marketing. I'm sure you are. For our folks, we know your time is incredibly valuable. For our folks who are watching or listening, want to learn more about you and current financial partners, where is the best place for them to go? Go to retireyall.com by all means. And for all you advisors out there who want to uh, bend our ear about our little model that we're, we're so proud of, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, Seth, I appreciate what you're doing. And I appreciate you even thinking about having, having my little company and my little American dream on, on your podcast. Our pleasure. We, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Awesome interview. Great story. You're doing awesome work. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur RIA edition with Adam Curran of Curran Financial Partners and retireyall.com. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text pitch to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.